0: on note from Superhouse, boy. Welcome to episode 33 of Superhouse, everyone. I am Andrew coming in from Los Angeles, and this week it's just going to be me because the rest of the guys are super busy, but... I kind of lie because it's not just me. I have with me an old friend from Japan. His name was Mark Reichwein. Hello, hello. Thanks for coming, that's man.
1: A, yeah, no problem.
0: <laughs> and where are you hailing from?
1: I am in Osaka Prefecture in Japan, and that's where I am, yes.
0: <laughs> How long have you been there?
1: I've been here now <clears throat> 10 years. Um yeah ten years
0: and uh, well okay yeah
1: almost like a I mean I haven't been in Osaka my whole the whole ten years but you know Japan in general
0: okay and just to give a little bit of a history here uh, I taught Japan and I taught English in Japan from uh, 2006 to 2009 um, I think it was about three years three months for me and uh, Mark and I worked together at that time and Mark was actually a Japanese teacher of mine for a hot second for like a two (laughs) or three months because one of the companies had this program about kinda wanted you to graduate from teaching and go into other jobs in Japan and doing that you needed to learn Japanese and I guess they had no actual Japanese people so Mark had passed (laughs) What's known as the N1 test. It's it's like passing the the bar of Japanese tests. So they made him teach us.
1: Yeah. Well, they kind of asked us. They asked a few of us at that company to do it, and then and they said they'd pay us. So of course we were like, yeah, sure. So
0: right. So that was kind of an interesting time. We were all in Saitama at the time, right? Yep saitama is a area just a little bit north of tokyo and i like to call it the new jersey of tokyo of japan (laughs) if tokyo is new york yeah so that's a good analogy yeah that's like the best way to put it it's like right near it but not quite as good Mm -hmm. a little dirtier yeah um and you hear mark's progeny in the background
1: yeah so my two daughters that daughter right now you just heard was luca and the other one is nico and they're just hanging out at the breakfast table
0: is she the crazy one that i met
1: um let's see you met you I met, met both of them or only i met one of
0: both them? but one was crazier than the other
1: yeah that's the, the second one
0: the younger one yeah
1: yeah the yeah. younger one she's definitely crazy
0: okay so dude so let's take it from the beginning with you what okay how did you get into japanese stuff in general
1: Um, very first time I got interested in Japan or Japanese was when I was in high school about sophomore, junior, and a friend of mine lent me a tape of Japanese anime, and it was all in Japanese with English subtitles, and that was the first time I had heard the language, and when I listened to it, I just thought it sounded like the most amazing, well, I don't know, the most amazing, but it sounded so great to me that I just thought, up until that point, I'd always wanted to learn an, a second language. So, and i had tried different languages learning on my own, and they never did it for me. But once I heard Japanese, I thought it was just, sounded so good, and I had to learn it. So that's what drew me to come to Japan.
0: So what was the anime?
1: It was some, I don't know how obscure it is, but it's. it was called Devil Hunter Yoko Okay. And it was just some. It was kind of like a Sailor Moon type thing, except more gritty and more nudity. <laughs> and it was just <laughs> kind of like that. It was weird, but. I don't know why my friend let me borrow it, but.
0: You had basically no interest in Japan before that?
1: I didn't really know anything about Japan before that. I was. Like, I had watched some animes, but in English, and. I thought they were cool, but I never really thought, I never connected them to Japan. It was just always like, oh, it's just a cool cartoon, you know, and then, but then it connected when I saw one in in the original Japanese.
0: And from that point on, I mean, what like, did you start playing more Japanese games or was it mainly anime or was there any other thing from Japan you were into or just that?
1: I had actually already been playing games that were made in Japan. And even with those I wasn't I didn't really connect the two very much it was just always like oh it's a cool game and then but then I started getting more uh, into it and I realized some of my favorite games were made in Japan and I would look up a screenshot of like the Japanese Final Fantasy 7 or something like that and I would think whoa this is in Japanese this is this is awesome I I gotta learn this language you know and so that's part of it
0: yeah for me like i think i probably said this before on other podcasts but uh it was probably first a little bit of gaming like Mm -hmm. i was aware that nintendo was a japanese company and uh Mm -hmm. sega was as well and those were the two big ones in the 90s and then when playstation came out sony was also japanese but on top of that um my introduction to anime was actually on the sci-fi channel mm-hmm. where it was, like, really grotesque anime. Like, mm-hmm. my first few were, like, Ghost in the Shell and Akira. There was one called Demon City Shinjuku, one called Eight Man After, uh, hmm. stuff like that. Neo Geo actually had a game for Eight Man After. It was pretty popular in Japan. The, the main mm-hmm. story from RoboCop was actually stolen or they they stole the story for RoboCop from Eight Man After.
1: Really, I had never even heard of that anime yeah. before. Yeah, it was uh, it's like a
0: like a hero type of thing, but uh, kind of gory. So for me, mm-hmm. unlike a generation just after me, with Pokemon and stuff like that, Yu-Gi-Oh, my, and Dra- even Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. my introduction was like gory cartoons. Oh, Ninja Scroll was another mm-hmm. big one. Oh, yeah, I know that one. So <laughs> for the longest time, that's what I viewed anime as, not as like a cutesy mm-hmm. type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really into that for a while. And yeah, that's kind
1: of yeah. like, yeah. like the first anime I, that I realized was j- Japanese. Like I said, it had some nudity in it, and it was also kind of violent. Right. But then, yeah, it's, it was kind of the same.
0: It was like you, you. I mean, the the closest we got like to anything adult in American cartoons for, that I noticed at the time was Homer Simpson saying "damn" sometimes yeah. on Fox. Yeah. Like, other than that, like there was nothing like that. I mean, I, I there there was. I mean, there was heavy metal the the movie that cart the animated movie, but I mm-hmm. wasn't aware of that as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't aware of anything like that. So that stuff was interesting, but. Um, so, you went to college, you started to get really hardcore in Japan, and you did you study yep. by yourself before going to college, or what?
1: Yep, um, so after I got into it, I started trying to learn on my own, like I had done before with other languages. So, I would, in high school, I just made flashcards for all the alphabet, the Japanese alphabets, and then trying to learn, fra- you know, phrases and stuff like that. And I was also involved with um, a program called AFS, which is a student exchange program for other countries. And I started, I applied to go to Japan through that because even before that I was kind of, I was helping out voluntarily with them. And then I thought, okay, I got to do this on my own. I got to try this. So, so in high school, I went for a summer through that program to Japan and during that summer, we did some study and then had a host family. And then I went, then I came back and that was only like a couple months. But then, yeah, before I graduated, I did that. And then, uh, yeah. And then when I graduated high school, I went straight to college and started studying more.
0: Your college, like your degree was in Japanese or what?
1: Yeah, it was Japanese major. Yep.
0: How far do you get? Like, let's say you start from zero year one like no pre-studying in college Mm -hmm. by the time you graduate college it's like four years what's your level like
1: definitely conversational level um like even if i didn't have any experience before college i would have even just for those four years of college it was such a good program that i would recommend from ohio state university's program that you know pretty good conversational level just from going for four years and okay. not even going to Japan. You wouldn't even have to go.
0: And so like, let's fast forward a little bit. So you graduate college and then you move to Japan.
1: Yep. Right away. I didn't even go to my graduation ceremony for LSU. I Cause like, cause I applied and they said, okay, you have to be here at this time. And I was like, okay, I'll just miss my ceremony. So then I went, wow. And that was, that and that was when that was the same that was the company that we met at That's
0: right. Yeah, let's let's not say any names, but yeah we met this company <laughs> in Saitama and then we mm-hmm. switched companies also in Saitama. Yeah. But uh
1: man, those are crazy times dude. Yeah. Like, it was right fun. out of
0: college living in Japan.
1: Yeah, it was and it was like I don't know about you, maybe it was the same for you, but it was, it was my first real job. I <laughs> there it goes. There it goes <laughs> she's, in, she's going. Yep.
0: Um, yeah, it actually was my first job outside of college.
1: Yeah? Okay, yeah, so same here.
0: Yeah, my first work experience. And what's what's funny is, like, after moving back to America, I noticed, like, how much, like, Japanese culture had affected me. Mm-hmm. Like, there were times where I was working at a company in L.A. where I was doing QC, quality control, mm-hmm. for Blu-ray discs. Mm-hmm. And... I would write on my notes, it seems like this, it seems like that a lot. Mm -hmm. And that, it wasn't a seems technically, it was just, it really is that way. Right. But I was writing that as like a softener and like somebody had like pointed it out to me. They're like, stop saying seems so much. (laughs) So I, I think cause like your first job outside of your first real job, I guess it can leave an impression on you
1: yeah yeah definitely and it's and it also like it kind of um you kind of lose part of the your original culture though too because all your friends back home they have jobs in you know your home country in america and you have a totally different job experience than them and you go home and it's like people are talking about their jobs and a lot of things are the same but there's a good amount that's different about working in Japan than working in America. So it's kind of like we lose that corporate culture, that's American corporate culture in a way.
0: Yeah, I mean we don't have the nomikai's a lot. A nomikai is like a a like a company party. It technically means drink party. Yeah, kidding? right. And uh, there's like not a lot of that. Like I don't my coworkers mm. right now none of us hang out at all after work oh really like not ever and no one even like hardly anyone goes out to eat lunch together Mm. so that part kind of sucks
1: yeah that's i like that too about japan actually it's really cool like everyone wants to you know get together and try you know try to make connections and be friendly well i mean i'm kind of on the whole but not everyone but but yeah, it's like, you know, going out with your, you know, your senpai. Your uh, what's the word? Senpai. Most people don't even understand
0: that now in English, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know going out with a co. Yeah. Really. Your superior.
1: Yeah, your superior, or even not. You doesn't have to be your superior. Just yeah, going out with friends and talking to, and you know shitting, uh, bullshitting around. You know, just. Yeah, it's, it's nice.
0: Like, it's weird. Like, especially in nerd culture, a lot of people know what the word senpai is just because of anime and shit. Yeah, right. There's that whole, like, senpai noticed me thing on the internet. Yeah. Um, on I'm Reddit sure, and
1: everywhere else. Yeah, I'm sure people who are into anime and stuff, they're, what they feel when they hear the word senpai is probably so much different than what a normal person would feel when they hear the word senpai. It's like, I don't know. I have just a feeling.
0: What's your feeling? Like nervousness?
1: No, like, like to me, it's more like a normal kind of word. It's just like a normal thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like sometimes, you know, I even I was like that when I was into anime and stuff. When I was a kid, I mean, you would like glorify everything. It's like, oh, senpai or all these Japanese words that you start learning. And it's like, but then once you get into the culture, it's like, this is just normal stuff. It's not like it's not cutesy anime land.
0: Right, there's a lot of disillusionment that happens,
1: mm-hmm. and yeah I, like I said, I was like that. I was I used to be kind of an I, anime geek,
0: yeah, I was like that as well, um especially with like console gaming. still am to some degree, but mm-hmm. definitely a lot less than before. So you graduate college, you go there immediately. did you what was like your culture shock kind of at the beginning? Did you have any?
1: um the very first time i went when i was in high school or when i was working
0: give me like your best culture shock story if you have one
1: i would say well just the normal culture shock that most people get where so the very first i mean the very very first day i went to japan when i was in high school they basically got off the plane went to the hotel and right away even before we had to go to sleep they they pretty much made us all go into an onsen together (laughs) and and it was like come on it's our first day and we all have to get naked right away it's like oh man so So that was it an
0: onsen (laughs) for people that don't know that's a hot spring it's like a like a bathhouse, but it's a natural hot spring that literally from the ground usually yep
1: yeah man so that was that was kind of pushing it for me out I was just like tired I'm like okay yeah Japan I'm excited but come on right I gotta ease into this thing right 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 <laughs> but I did it I've only been in onsen twice actually oh really yeah but it's fun yeah it's, it's nice it's a relaxing time it would be more relaxing like I've done it a lot but I would much rather just still be alone I'm, I'm still not Japanese enough to just be like enjoying it with other people because that's another thing co-workers do. They'll go to like onsens together and they're cool. It's just like, you know, get naked. No big, right, no big deal. Right, 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 right. And I'm cool with that. Like, like, ideally, I think that's, I mean, it's no big deal. But like, just my personal feeling, I'm still very American about it. I'm still very, you know, I want to be by myself. I don't want to hang around with guys naked. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right.
0: So... Do you think like I'm just jumping off of what you just said, do you think mm-hmm. that you're ten years in you got two kids there you're you, you married there, you have a job there mm-hmm. do you think that your coworkers and you speak fluently basically like do you think your coworkers think you're Japanese enough?
1: I think so, yeah, um there's never I feel like I'm accepted. As just you know one of the just a normal worker there at the company that you know it's mostly Japanese and all the people I work directly right now with I mean there there are no West there are no Western foreigners on my floor there's foreigners in the sense that there's some Asian uh, country people from some Asian countries nearby South Korea and China usually right yeah, like China, and yeah, I don't know about any Koreans, but but yeah, like some other, like that, but I mean, as far as Western English speaking goes, it's just, you know, it's just me on the floor, and then, so I think I feel accepted, and there's no real barrier there, it's not like, you know, I just get along, just like everyone else.
0: And uh, so can we, like, I, I guess we can't say your company name, but can we yeah. say
1: what you do? um uh yes yeah, sh- sure. <laughs> no company names no company names the thing is it's like if, even if I don't say the company name if I say what I do it's it's so easy to just be like okay Google search oh there okay. it is you know what I mean <laughs> right I All mean right. let's just say I'm a translator I mean that's that's enough am a translator Japanese to English. Yep, Japanese to English.
0: Right, and that's all we'll say.
1: So, and that includes so writing and also spoken interpretation for meetings and stuff like that. Oh, really? Interpreting, yeah.
0: What's harder? Probably the spoken one, right?
1: Um, yeah, it's well, it's it is harder. I like I I used to think it was like So in the beginning, it's really hard, you know, it's, it's, you're on the spot. It's like, you have to keep the conversation moving. You can't be sitting there going, um, 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 all the time, all the time. But once you get used to it, it's actually not that bad. It's just like, basically just being in a conversation and just be like, oh, he said this, oh, he said this, oh, he said this, this, and it's not too bad after a while. So I think the actual translation part, I think it's more, it, I think it requires more thought because you you have to sometimes be really creative or and you you're trying to make the text as you know qu- high quality as possible and so you're kind of pressured on, that kind of pressure is there to make it good and qual- high quality but when you're in an, interpreting for someone it's not like you have to say everything perfect and make it and it's not it's not going to be printed and going out to go on uh, sale or anything you know right it's just like you and some guys and then You just got to get it, get the, get it across and it's not going to be judged, you know? So that's in a way, in a sense, interpreting is a little easier, I think.
0: That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that at all.
1: Yeah, I actually wouldn't have thought that. I didn't think that in the beginning either. So like, how do you
0: feel about like, a lot of people say you can't like learn a language completely like past puberty. That's what Noam Chomsky says. It's like a famous linguist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it seems like you've pretty much done it like post high school kinda mm-hmm. so like do you have any advice for people out there cause like this is kind of a big one there's a lot of people that want to learn Japanese you know
1: mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah my advice is always <clears throat> excuse me um, just you gotta get speaking you gotta find someone who speaks and speak with that person you just got to find someone that's willing and who knows the language that's a native. Otherwise, it's just going to be you on your own. You can learn the grammar. And that's it's totally cool to study all the grammar on your own and everything. But if you really want to talk, you really just got to find a friend. Right. Or in my case, I had a girlfriend early on when I started living in Japan. Right. That, that really, really helps.
0: Yeah, people always say that's the fastest way. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I first started learning and started like saying just sentences, I wasn't used to that because I had only taken Spanish in high school and the teacher couldn't speak. Or It was mm-hmm. in Georgia. There weren't, there were literally no Latinos or anybody that could speak Spanish natively in the whole school. Oh, really? Wow. Yes. So, a lot of people from California especially can't believe that, but <laughs> it's true and... <laughs> It was a small school for one, but yeah. So, oh, okay. So, like, no speaking another language practice ever in my life until after I was outside of out of college. Oh, much. wow. So it was so difficult uh, and awkward, you know, because you got to, mm-hmm. like, there's a lots of, like, factors that no one ever brings up, like, especially in the beginning, if you're speaking, like, all day. Mm-hmm. Or you're you're just fumbling through it out all day, like mm-hmm. you're. You get what I would call language fatigue. Yeah, your brain gets tired. Like oh it's a yeah, kind of, it's a kind of fatigue that you haven't had in a long time. It feels like you've done homework for like all day, all day, kind of. Yeah,
1: That's, I remember that. <laughs>
0: yeah, and no one ever says anything about that. Like huh. when you're learning, no one ever told me about all these like quote unquote side effects. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so, and that's weird. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but yeah, I totally remember having that fatigue.
0: I think everybody has like goes through it.
1: Yeah, I would think so, yeah.
0: So, um, like, let's move on from there, and uh, you have been a gamer your whole life, you said, and I, what I thought was very interesting was you were the first guy that ever told me, like, mother or... Earthbound was your favorite game of all time. That's still true, correct?
1: Uh yes. My favorite game of all time. Yes. That's still true.
0: <laughs> so I just listened to this podcast called uh it's under the Laser Time podcast uh network mm-hmm. and all they did was talk about Mother and all the different versions and all that. So it made me think mm-hmm. of you again. And I still haven't played it, but if you mm-hmm. could just like like let us know, like, why why this game? Why not Chrono Trigger or
1: something else? Chrono Trigger was, like, uh, my second favorite for a long time, actually. But uh, it's just a weird... It's something you can't really explain... Ex- well, you can explain it, but it's just a feeling more than... Uh, it's more of a feeling in, other than playing a game and enjoying it a lot. it's It's all about feelings with this game, basically. So... The story is um, I was all into RPGs when I was in high school. And so there was Chrono Trigger, like Final Fantasy 3. And then, um, so I was all into that. And then I heard about this game called Earthbound. I think the, I mean, I didn't just hear about it. The very first time I saw it is before I even heard about it. I was in Walmart or something. and. They had one of those games, like, monitors where it would show previews of upcoming games. And you could, like, choose which game you wanted to see a preview for. And there's just, like, a monitor sitting there in the game section. And I saw this game, and it was Earthbound. And the graphics were so different from all the other traditional RPGs I was used to seeing. You weren't in and, high
0: school at this time, right? You This was... Yeah.
1: You were? This was 95. So... I should have been my first year of high school or maybe I was know maybe I was far ahead of me I might have been eighth grade because how, 90- how old
0: are you how old are you?
1: I am shit <laughs> I am 30. okay I'm starting to forget now you forgot oh my God I'm 34. okay I'll be turning 35 in two months yeah okay
0: okay. so you're basically three years older than me okay that makes sense okay sorry i was like (laughs) i thought we were the same age for a second there
1: oh okay yeah i'm pretty close uh so yeah i just saw that and it just gave me this feeling that was it's kind of like love at first sight with a video game pretty much
0: that's very interesting
1: (laughs) it's really really weird but yeah i just got this really really warm feeling when i saw the game the graphics and the and just, just this whole atmosphere just like drew me in, and that's that's why I love it. It's just about nostalgia, kind of now, but because I right. mean you know, most, most things are like that anyway. Right. But it just has a special place, you know, with me.
0: So let me try to explain this again. Sorry, I got to explain a few things to the listener. So, Earthbound is a JRPG. It was called Mother in Japan because of the. John, of John Lennon, I think. I the, the creator liked a John Lennon song with mother in it or something like that.
1: That's, like, that's the only I reason. That, I remember reading something like that, but I mean, the game itself, I mean, it does have a theme that's I mean, it doesn't the word the t- title of the game does have something to do with the game itself. It's because you are a kid and you lo- you leave your home and you have to keep talking to your mother as you go through the game Uh, because there's a thing in the game where you get homesick at certain times during the game. It's, and then you have to talk to your mother or you're not going to get over being homesick and being homesick is kind of like a status ailment. It kind of affects you. Yeah. It affects you in battles. And so, I mean, so it does make sense for the game.
0: Okay. And, this game is even though it's an rpg it's not a fantasy game in the slightest it's actually and again i haven't played it. i'm going to get to it soon but from what i've heard it's kind of feels like it's japanese people in love with american culture and trying to recreate something like the goonies but make it into a video game
1: yep it's yeah it's how japan sees american culture and i think it does a good job uh because it's set, it's set in America and, and it's set in, you'll see in the very intro, it says 1990 X. So it's set in that, in a modern time, modern for that time.
0: Right. And like this game at the time was like not really a hit. And some of that had to do with their marketing campaign. Yep. If you remember in the game magazines, Again, I'm kind of getting this from Laser Time, but like they were trying to copy like the Nickelodeon thing where they were like trying to be a little bit gross like Ren and Stimpy or something. But that didn't really reflect what the game was like at all. Like they were literally like little tab- tabs to like pull out in the in the magazine to to sniff. I remember these.
1: Oh yeah, I I had those cuz I had those magazines too. And I, I really, I was one of the people that loved that marketing campaign, and it actually brought me in even more. Really? Uh, yeah, because the slogan was, this game stinks, was the slogan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved it. I was like, and then all the cards stunk, and they had little things from the game, like screenshots of things in the game where it would make you feel like, oh, this is a part of the game where if you could smell what was going on, it was it was rank, and I just thought that was cool. <laughs> but did it reflect I the game play. at all though? I think it did because there's a lot of things in the game where it's like it's very um it's kind of rough meaning I mean they'll say they'll talk in ways that it's not like disgusting but there's like fart no there's like burp sound effects there's there's mentions of things. I mean, like there's a character in the game who farts. And (laughs) I mean, there's just little things like that. It's not like over the top, it's not like all over the place, but I mean, it's sprinkled in here and there. And so I think it kind of matches the feeling of the game a little bit. Yeah.
0: It seems like the game has also kind of like achieved cult status. You even said you went to like
1: a a mother
0: convention in Japan?
1: yep in japan they have them just when they don't have them regularly but whenever they get around to it i guess it's just fans that do it it's kind of like those anime uh, doujinshi that's like fan created comics so they sell a lot of like fan created comics based on mother and fan created merchandise and they do it not to make a profit pretty much and but they just do it just to celebrate the game and and meet people and dress up as characters and stuff like that.
0: Does that happen for a lot of games over there like like Metroid or anything like that cuz I never heard of like a something over here for just one game like that.
1: I'm actually not too sure cuz by the time I started living in Japan I stopped being an anime freak and I didn't keep I didn't keep up with the anime culture so I don't really know. But even in America we have um earthbound is has its own it's like the earthbound fan community is i think pretty well known in the gaming community um as being just kind of crazy and very very uh what's the word uh what's the word rabid fan base yeah and they're not like they're not a bad fan base so maybe saying they're crazy is Not the right word, but, I mean, they're very dedicated. That's the word. Yeah, yeah, okay. Everyone's very dedicated in keeping it alive and keeping the love going. And, I mean, there's a big website and a big community. And I was part of that community. And, yeah, and they had conventions. They've had conventions almost every year since, like, 1999 or 2000 ish or so
0: were you upset whenever they canceled uh earthbound 64
1: yeah i was i was definitely watching that as it went on and being like all right yes yes a new a new earthbound game yes and then when it didn't happen that was pretty sad everyone as, was
0: as of the time of this recording there was like this past tuesday i think this mm-hmm. YouTube channel called Metal Jesus rocks uh, mm-hmm. he does like a lot of uh, retro gaming stuff on his on his channel, and he had this special on like cancelled games and like I think one of the first ones was earthbound sixty four like they were trying they're <laughs> kind of lamenting over these games that were cancelled,
1: oh really yeah, yeah and but the good there's a happy story there's a happy ending to that though because earthbound sixty four Ended up being re- repurposed into Mother 3 for um, Game Boy Advance, which did come out, but it came out in Japan only. Right. I so that was you, really every nice.
0: time somebody online, because this happens a lot in retro gaming forums or videos or whatever, they're like, You got to know a lot of Japanese to play it. And then I'm like, <laughs> 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 I can play it. <laughs> 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 Sorry, but just like all this study, I want to be able to play some games like that. Yeah, yeah. It's like a big hurdle that a lot of people that are into this stuff just, they don't have the time for or whatever. But, right. Um, but
1: but yeah. now that there's a English translation. It's a fanlation unofficial. or whatever? Yep, fan translation by a good friend named Clyde, a.k.a. Tomato.
0: Wait, you know him, right, personally? Yeah.
1: Yeah, because, uh, like I said, we went. I went to a lot of the conventions, and he was at some of them. So, yeah.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, so they're for, all
1: really cool people.
0: So, from the time whenever we were living in the same town as each other to now, mm-hmm. like, you've had two kids and you've gotten married. Yep. Like other That's than true. that, how has your life in Japan changed or how has Japan changed to you and your, in your perspective?
1: Um, From my perspective, nothing ever changes really. It's just the same old through my eyes. I'm a very, very indoor person and I'm, I don't pay attention to my surroundings and... I just worry about me and my world. (laughs) God, it's just, it's just the truth. I've ever since I was a kid, I've just always been in my own world and things happening around me are just whatever. And I'm just happy doing my own thing. And so I don't know, nothing really changed except for obviously being married and having kids. It's now my world is all about like, it's like a job. It's like a new job I have. It's, Right, when my kids are awake, my job is to take care of them and keep, make keep them happy, and then when they go to bed, then it's like, all right, now it's me time right, so that's the big change. That's the biggest thing. What
0: was it like I mean, this is a very general question, but do you have any like anecdotes, stories, or anything about having kids in japan? um any story that kind of stands out?
1: Yeah, I think I do. I'm sure I do. <laughs> like um hmm. just some funny things that happen when you have when you have kids in Japan who are half Japanese and half you know not it's just all the funny kind of weird things that you have to see happen with that, for example, like every time your daughter's see a foreigner on the street, they assume they Oh, it's daddy's friend. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh no, but I can see what you're thinking. Uh, to get that we from. could be friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And sometimes even Japanese people think that I even maybe but even adults I don't think that maybe might be totally true, but sometimes I get that feeling that Japanese people think we're all we have a we're like a team or something like that it's like we all know each other but it's i mean but, yeah but we're just we're just strangers to each other just like anyone else so
0: they're just not used to it you know like they're that's like the whole idea of another race like mm-hmm. in america we're bombarded with it every second of our lives mm-hmm. but like in japan it's like this thing that's like they don't really deal with ever really like right so that's, like, one of the biggest culture shocks I had. Like, I even, like, after a year or two uh, living there, I remember, like, in Kichijoji or something, we went to, like, uh, what's that one It's like, Yoshinoya, but but shittier?
1: Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Um, Matsuya. Suki. It was Matsuya. Oh, Matsuya, yeah, okay.
0: I didn't like that one that much. But the, we walked in. You might have been with us dude actually. Some Yeah. It was me, Mike, and you maybe. Mm-hmm. And we walk in and this old Japanese woman walks out and she goes in Japanese All you guys look the same. Ha 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 and then just leaves.
1: <laughs> we were like, I, think wow. I, yeah, I think I was there. I think I was there and then I didn't hear it, but then you guys started like laughing or something. I was like, What happened? What happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But to to be
0: fair, you and I look sort of similar. Right, right. Like kind of, yeah, I can see that. We can sort of see. But like Mike, didn't look, we don't look like him at all. Right. <laughs> but I remember speaking about that, when we were in um, Fujimino,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, remember the kids would always get us mixed up? Like they yeah. would say, hey to you, and then you wouldn't say hey back because you didn't know him. Yeah. and then they would get mad at me for not saying hey to them
1: yeah i remember you telling me about that i didn't really realize it either i was just I was, but yeah that's that's hilarious i don't yeah. think i had the opposite though i don't think any of my kids did that and said hey to you though i think so you maybe came they in they
0: contact with my students more than the other way right. around right but it's just like i couldn't help but feel like man you guys just
1: can't tell white people apart at all. (laughs) (laughs) Like at all. Yeah. (laughs) I think I even had a lot shorter hair even maybe.
0: Yeah. My hair was always longer, but not as long as it is now. They, they, I remember one teacher, the English teacher, he could speak English and I couldn't speak much Japanese at the time. He came up to Mm -hmm. me and he said like something really indirect in English. Like, Mm -hmm have you ever thought about what haircuts are like <laughs> so,
1: oh <my> God. <laughs> something
0: something really indirect like that yeah yeah and so yeah, i was new there was called. Hey, it's, yeah. exactly yeah what are do you know what it's like going to get your haircut no even that's too direct something <laughs> very di- very direct
1: you mean and, very I mean in- very in-
0: very indirect yeah very
1: uh, around the around the bush
0: <laughs> and it was interesting to hear it in english too but that's what he said <laughs> And then I got my hair cut oh, like over that weekend just to, you know, not get a complaint, but really. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I wasn't trying to get fired. Uh, yeah. Or even have my name brought up at a meeting. Yeah. Oh man, during that time, I was I was really scared of being fired like cuz you know how they in the very beginning they gave us like um these training sessions and they would say I, it's, I guess it's cool to say we were teachers yeah we are that's not that's not a big deal so we were teaching kids right so and they would train us be like you know don't give these kids the wrong like impression or don't touch them don't go hang out with them and you know you could be you can get in a lot of trouble even if you're even if you even if you're just a nice guy and you don't have any wrong intentions, you know, things can be taken the wrong way and you know, it's kids, you know, and you're a teacher, you don't want things to be taken the wrong way. So I was always like scared. Like I didn't want to, I don't want, I I was like, whenever a kid like tried to touch me, I would be like, oh shit, oh shit, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I don't want to get fired. Yeah. Yeah,
0: (laughs) They would try to do that to me all the time too. And I was like, oh no.
1: Yeah. And like, like a girl one day, she like gave me a big hug and I was like, oh shit and I just like kind of like tried to scramble away and I felt really bad because it kind of hurt her feelings a little bit and I was like oh man but still it was kind of a scary time being a teacher
0: were you I forget were you middle school or elementary
1: I was both the first year was middle school and the sec the second year was elementary and then after that at my next company I did three more years of elementary
0: okay I did like a day of elementary I just couldn't take it it was I like the kids but I didn't like I didn't like making lesson plans and being in there solo
1: oh right not at all
0: yeah it's
1: it's definitely very very different (laughs) yeah I mean the, the, the kids are happier I felt like oh yeah it's like the involvement and the enthusiasm is great to see them like be like yay or something like that you know Another culture shock I
0: had when I was there was, like, to explain to the listener again, in their PE classes, they'll, like, stack the kids up like a pyramid.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, literally, the, all, the, the kids are on all fours, and then another kid, like, will, will put his hands and feet on two other kids, like, on their yep. backs. So, they're all on all fours, like, kind of on top of each other making this like human pyramid thing mm-hmm. and it's like a huge thing with kids over there yep and i couldn't help but feel like this would never happen in america yeah I had one never kid would fall down before. one kid would be too fat something like that <laughs> a parent would sue the fuck out of the school yeah like this there's no fucking way this is gonna happen in america
1: yeah that's true even I, I saw on TV, like, maybe a couple years ago, they were doing a thing about that in, Jap- in Japan. And uh, there are some schools that do huge pyramids. And pretty much every year, some kid gets hurt, like, really, seriously, hurt, injured. And there's even in been Japan? De- deaths. Yeah, in Japan. Jeez. And, they're like, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure it's rare, but there have been deaths because i mean the pyramid is freaking huge and that's a lot of kids tumbling down on each other and the person on the bottom in the middle that kid is going to be crushed or suffocated or something you know so yeah that's that's and they were talking about on the show they were saying maybe we should we need to limit this we shouldn't get any bigger than a certain you know number of kids and and i'm thinking yeah duh <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean like there was a part of me though that that I kind of like seeing it because a it was different, and mm-hmm. b it made me feel like Americans are just so careful and so legalistic, mm-hmm. like, like I said, like somebody would sue you because of that because their kid got a fucking bruise,
1: yeah, or something
0: like that. Like,
1: yeah, it, I'm not. Yeah, I think that's definitely crossing the line. It's definitely a cool thing to do as long as you're not like. Like I said, going like 50 kids into a huge pyramid right. where they fall and break all their arms and stuff like that.
0: Does it, I mean, is there, are they thinking that it's just fun or do they look at it as like a team building exercise or?
1: I think it's like a team building exercise, definitely. Because they're very much about teaching kids, working together, working as a team, working for the group, you know? Right, right, right. The group
0: mentality. Yeah. That so de- was definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, yeah. I also saw that a lot. I remember uh, my first day teaching. Um, I, we—they're all like in Japan. You make you make the food in the room, or like you put it on your uh, tray. Like you, you get like all these like batches or whatever, and you put the food on the trays. Like and make you make the trays, right? And so basically,
1: the kids are the cafeteria
0: right it comes pre-cooked but yeah they put it on they get it all ready for each other but my first day was just in the faculty room not with the kids Mm -hmm. and i remember like i got my food put it on my tray and went to go sit sit down Mm -hmm. i didn't think about like oh this i gotta make this for
1: everybody yeah (laughs) yeah i was the same way it's like come on you get your food then you start eating and that's the, it's like, that's normal. But then everyone's like, no, everyone has to be up standing, making sure everyone has what they need and you have to be moving around. You have to be getting things ready and then you sit down, but then you don't eat. You have to make sure everyone's ready to eat. And it's like, okay, everyone, eat. you got to say itadakimasu. It's like, okay, geez, my food's getting cold. Let's just eat when we get right, our food. Right,
0: right, right, right,
1: right. If everyone ate when they got their own food, everyone would be eating a warm meal because Everyone gets their own food, and they get it right away, and they start eating. You sound like you're almost kind of against this. <laughs> uh, I'm not against it, but I'm, like, I'm against it to a going too far. Like, like I think it's eat, cool to help eat out. Eat your
0: food while it's warm, basically. Yeah,
1: like, I think it's cool to help out, but, I mean, it shouldn't be expected that it's, like, oh, you didn't get everyone's plate. It's, like, come on, get your own plate. It's right there. It's, like... <laughs> I don't know, I just think it just needs to be more casual. I mean, right. casual for the teachers, at least. I mean, sure, maybe you teach the kids, you know, responsibility and stuff, but I mean, if you're just teachers in the room by yourselves, it's like, right? come on, let's just, let's just right. eat lunch.
0: I remember, like, my Japanese was so low when I first moved there, like, I remember, like, them saying itadakimasu before they ate, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, what's this prayer they're saying, and why? <laughs> I thought, like, religion wasn't supposed to be in schools here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't know anything. And I remember one one of the other English teachers said dame to another English teacher, like, in training or something. And I was like, what's dame? Like, I had, mm-hmm. I moved there with, like, no ability at all. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow, that must have been huge. Like, I mean, a huge shock then. Wow.
0: That's why, like, I studied, like crazy man like remember mike he -hmm. had come in with like a year or two of a japanese minor or something Mm -hmm. and then after like six months or so i was ahead of his ass really wow i studied Mm -hmm. my ass off nice i just i couldn't stand not understanding things yeah right and when you work in the middle schools they just let you study in the faculty room right when you're, when you're not uh, helping
1: out or going to a going into a class right that was really nice that that was a big help for me as well actually studying and I mean I had no, I knew a, a, enough Japanese but still I wasn't like at the level that I could have been so yeah I studied a whole lot
0: do you feel like I mean you must but do you feel like you're still learning
1: Uh, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like little things here and there. I'll be like, I'll think to myself, oh, I thought it was kind of this way. But in reality, it's more this way for everyone. It's just little things here and there. And I'm not talking about like learning new words and stuff because everyone can learn new words. I mean, that's you never know all the words of Japanese, not even Japanese people know all the words of Japanese. Right, right, right. But it's more like kind of like feeling and meaning and intention, all that, these little things about behind the language that you kind of come to learn.
0: What's what's? I'm kind of getting over this now, but like what's been a problem for me in the past was like when you speak English, you're speaking like with, I don't know what the number is, but it's like 300, 500 sounds. Oh, yeah. maybe maybe not that many but like let's say somewhere around 100 to 250.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: like a conservative estimate mm-hmm. you go to japanese you're speaking around 50 sounds
1: right right because they only got the five vowel sounds
0: it's it's like it's much less than half Yep. So it, sa- it it would often felt like it often felt like I was kind of saying the same sounds over and over.
1: <laughs> I never thought of like thought of it that way. But yeah, that's kind of that's true. You are like only spitting out certain vowels all the time and there's, you know, the cons- consonants and there's still not that many of those either.
0: No, not that many. So that yeah, that's that was tough, but, and that also like having kanji in the language and the language, kind of like evolving with kanji, mm-hmm. it made that like even worse. Like because, like Japanese through the years has lost sounds, like there used to be even more, but I guess because of kanji, they don't need as many. Like e used to be ye, like, right? Like yebisu, like
1: like they used to differentiate between. Yeah, they. I I think they differentiated between like there was two. There was et, and then there was yet. Right. And now it's just both sound the same.
0: And I, I can't help but feel that like the reason that they can lose sounds is because if you're a Japanese person with a knowledge of kanji, you don't have that much need for variation in sounds. Right.
1: And it's not. Yeah, and I mean, as long as you have context, even words that sound the same, it's like, you just have the, as long as you have the context there, they really lean heavily on context.
0: That's the thing, too, like, connecting that, like, the whole read the air thing. So for the listener, like, in Japan, it's this big thing, like, read the air, just kind of know what's going on without being explained. Right. That's what that means. I wonder if the fact that that became such an important part of Japanese culture is because of the language
1: yeah maybe yeah i never thought of it like they're that. all
0: they're all morphing and evolving together on this small island for 2000 years and yeah. you have you have this language that relies heavily on context and not on sound differentiation i think the language itself this is just my bullshit theory but mm-hmm. the language itself influenced the culture
1: i can see how that could yeah that sounds kind of a good theory because yeah if you're leaving out the subject in a sentence all the time people don't know what you're talking about so it's like okay we got to put importance on reading people's minds here if you don't know what i'm talking about then you're not good at reading my mind it's like okay but that's, that's an important thing so of course they have to do something that's like, okay, our language is limiting us. What are we going to do? Okay, we got to make this an important thing. You know, that's one of the first things I was
0: taught about Japanese. I was uh, somebody said in Japanese, they don't say I, you, he, she, or it that much. Right. And I was like, how the fuck do they talk then? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> every day it's just like, eat, <laughs> go, <laughs> go <to the> library. <laughs> but it's, it's it, it feels very implied though it's like you can you can almost hear them right. saying it even though they're not saying it right right it and that's feels actually something
1: like it's there right 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 and that's actually something i've had to really really work hard to deal with because like i said earlier i've always been in my own world <laughs> i've always been in my own little world since i was a kid like i'm not really good at understand like paying attention to my surroundings so when I came to Japan, everything's going over my head. I'm not reading the at I'm not reading the air as they say in japanese uh and so that really i really don't like it because of that i that's one of the things I don't like about living here is because of that i mean it's just a little thing, but it was just a big thing for me
0: no I mean it's huge because whenever you use whenever you're an english speech speaker like pronouns are half the language yeah that you're using or yeah pronouns so to say that like they don't use that uh it's 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 like kind of shocking at first but then it's it's not even just that like it'll be even you know the whole indirectness and
1: right uh, there's that yeah yeah even that like like i can't understand if someone's saying um it's hot in here or something like that and i'll be like yeah and then but really they're like thinking you go turn on the air conditioning that's what i'm saying it for it's like
0: (laughs) yeah right right but i'm not
1: i'm just i that doesn't click with me i'm just like kind of sharing it it's like yeah it is a little hot in here yeah it's like that's it that's it you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry about that um
0: yeah uh that stuff is hard man but it's, it's surprising how much you can get used to it as well
1: yeah I've definitely gotten a lot used to it I've actually gotten to the point where I I can read what people are what people mean but sometimes I on purpose I will act like I don't understand because sometimes I don't like the indirectness and I want people to be more direct It's it's just kind of it's not very I mean I understand maybe it's their culture but some people I just think it's going too far and I'll I'll pretend like I don't understand what they're indirectly trying to say just to try to make them say something, you know, I just feel right. like, it's like, come on, let's, that's come like on, a, just get the ball rolling
0: here. You can do it. <laughs> that's a uniquely Japanese problem. I feel like. Yeah. What do you think is like the biggest misconception about Japan that Americans have? Because like I, I hear some of the stuff sometimes living in LA. Mm-hmm
1: um big misconceptions ah a lot of the conceptions are true (laughs) is that a word can can you say conception by itself but yeah like a lot of people say all the time it's like oh the women in japan are so beautiful and i agree with that (laughs) (laughs) that's true um food is great i agree with that uh Let's say what else? Um, oh, one thing is there's like everyone's really nice. There's no, there's, you'll hardly ever run into rude people. And I think that's kind of a misconception, even though on the whole it's kind of true relative to a lot of c- countries. and But I still think it is a misconception because you'll definitely run into rude people. I would I run into rude people every day. I can see rude people. I can see rudeness happening every day and I think that's kind of a misconception and yeah, I think people just
0: There's, there's an interesting point there. Like it feels like when a Japanese person is just kind of nice to you on the street in mm-hmm. Japan like I feel like if somebody was nice to you on the street in America, they you might start to think that you're friends. Like oh. my, we, like it, it feels closer, but like in Japan, they'll be they're nice to you, of course, but there's no closeness there either. Like it, I, I don't right. know how to describe it. It's like there's no possibility of you becoming friends right there. Right. Like, like they'll help you out, but don't expect them to like do anything other than like help you out. Like right there.
1: Right, unless they're trying to get you to teach them english that's right. the only exception but but yeah you're right yeah in america everyone's like super friendly to the point where it's like you'll be lined up at a cash register and the guy behind you will start being like hey man and they'll just be like start talking to you and they'll tell you their life story and they'll right be like, right right and it's like hey yeah we should uh hey you want to go hang out sometime or, or something like that i mean that's doesn't always happen, but it could. It's very. It's more possible here, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So the the biggest thing that I've noticed is that like the one of the like big mis- misconceptions about Japan, I feel, is that it seems like uh, Americans really think that the Japanese are like sexually deviant.
1: <laughs> really. The whole like
0: the whole like panty vending machine thing comes up uh, a lot. Right. And it's like, I tell people, like, I lived there for three fucking years. I never, ever saw a panty vending machine. And also, you have to, like, go to a red light district anyway. Right. And on top of that, they can't be too sexually deviant because they're not fucking.
1: Right. Yeah, (laughs) that is is a good point about the... That that is a good misconception. Because, yeah, uh, people in Japan, I mean, it's... No one's talking about that kind of thing i mean no one's running around people don't just run around and like (laughs) i don't know no one's what am i trying to say there's no weirdos just sexual deviants running around i mean sure there are but i mean most people here they don't want to they don't want to talk about that kind of stuff they don't i mean people don't get around and watch porno together or anything like that it's yeah. I think it's I think it's just like like, they, like the they, they, dirty they, magazines just... dirty magazines on the shelves they're just like kind of accepted because it's always been there even though I'm sure a lot of people don't really think it's good. Right. They just accept it because it's the, they grew up with it being that part of the culture even if they don't they probably don't like it. I'm sure lots of parents and just people in general are like, "Yeah, it's probably not a good thing, but what yeah. are you going to do?"
0: <laughs> it's all softcore anyway. I mean the stuff on the shelves
1: i don't know is it hardcore well, too? seems like it <laughs> oh wow. i haven't been to, i haven't looked because they're usually taped shut right 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 you have to buy it <laughs> right but i mean i don't know from the cover it doesn't seem well i guess it would be soft it just depends on what you consider soft and hard but i guess that relatively to the whole world it would be soft yeah
0: i mean as far as like i think it's just so Usually, anyway, as far as I know, they're just showing woman's breast right? And there's no like sex happening, as far as that's I know. true. Yeah, that's true. Like there's, it's, it's like, it's like the panty vending machine, and just like they think that every Japanese person has a crazy fetish. Yeah, and it's like, why, wh- why, where did this come from? Why do people have that? Just because the panty vending machine thing,
1: just, yeah. Articles—if you read an article and you read more articles about it later, you just you'll just start to think probably it's like oh, just it's just on the street, uh, out, so it's normal or something, you know. But it's right. not really. I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. And <laughs> then they have the articles about the sex uh, festivals. Oh, so that, with like
0: the like, the the dick festival.
1: Too. Yeah.
0: That shit's just kinda of funny though. Yeah. I wouldn't even consider that if they're thinking that's a fetish, that's kinda of weird, but that's it also kinda... it's kind of a case of uh kind of like not understanding another person's culture as well. And if you're from like the Puritan Christian society and you see a dick festival, you might think that's <laughs> a little weird, but I don't know. Right. I think that's
1: it's fine. Yeah. But it, it might uh, affect someone's opinion about Japan and a bit. Right, think, right, right. Oh, vending machine stuff makes sense now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They worship dicks. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, many oh, women that... and gay men do worship dicks. <laughs> For the record, I've never been to one of those.
0: Apparently, it's gotten popular with, like, gay foreign dudes as well. <laughs> They go there to, like, you know, have fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Is there a vagina one? I think so, yeah. Really? Yep. I remember seeing an article about it, I think, recently. Vagina Fest
0: 2017? <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. I guess we're about done um okay did you have any questions for me or anything um
1: no i don't know i didn't think about that
0: uh (laughs) i usually catch the interviewee off guard with this question
1: (laughs) um so who's usually there with you you said in the beginning some of the guys weren't around
0: oh so yeah this is called super house podcast and Mm -hmm. it's with other Superhouse members, and what Superhouse is, it was basically a house that we had in college. That's all it is. And we called it Superhouse because we wanted to name our house. Oh, okay. We've been 10 years away from each other, just about, yeah, 10 years this year. And we decided to kind of get together and talk about shit. And what's weird is, like, not much has changed. We're having <laughs> the same fucking conversation, just with new material.
1: That's cool. Uh, I wish I it's... could. Have... Go ahead, sorry. I wish I could have kept up more with friends from college. You can with the internet, bro. Yeah, that's true. We just kind of never really did.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we had like a pretty crazy last year. And I guess we got together from all that. I mean, we just kind of meet online. I don't see him a whole lot in person. One dude lives in Latvia, man. He's calling in from Latvia. Jeez. Yeah. So... It's generally like we talk a lot about comic book movies and news and mm-hmm. uh, video games and stuff like that. But I do like to mm-hmm. add in like the travel slash culture segment mm-hmm. as well. I mean, we interviewed a guy that lived in Mongolia. He was an English mm-hmm. teacher in Mongolia. Um, another we interviewed one of our friends that was a what they call a third culture kid where she was she was of Japanese descent. Born in Japan, but she lived all over Southeast Asia, mainly it seemed like India and Thailand. But in mm. Eng- American English school, so her story was interesting and mm. stuff like that. Yeah. So I try to, we try to like you know mix it up.
1: Yeah, that's that's cool. That sounds interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm big on like trying to like connect pop culture with actual culture
1: mm-hmm.
0: to see if there's something where you can like make connections because a lot of japanophiles they've they've kind of done this naturally where they they start out liking anime but then they might like I don't know like a festival in Japan or origami or something like that you know like an actual cultural element yeah martial arts or something so right you, you did like a lot of japanophiles they do make that jump where it's from it's from pop culture to real culture
1: Yeah, that's something I actually never did. I'm kind of different from a lot of people. There's so many other foreigners. They'll come here and they'll be like really into like certain aspects of culture. And I'll sit here and I'll just be like, I don't really care about much. Like I just (laughs) basically I just live here and I'm not really into culture. I only really, really loved learning the language. And now I'm done with that. So now that that's done, I'm just like living here and that's pretty much it i mean it doesn't mean i don't like japan i love it and i love living here and i love a lot about it but i'm not like into anything anymore you know (laughs) you're not like going to temples and shit right i'm not going to temples or onsens i'm not ramen shop jumping i don't know if that's even a thing but
0: it probably is
1: being a foodie or whatever (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) it's funny how you're like you're kind of a homebody but you also like live in another country
1: right that's pretty much once i make i'll make a jump but then i'll make that new place my home and then i'll, I'll be the same again you know
0: all right interesting bro well i think that's gonna do it
1: already thanks for doing but, this
0: man yeah
1: and sorry that we couldn't do this earlier None no it's fine able to make make it happen
0: you <laughs> came in at a great time and uh also, like, just to again explain, we kind of did this like, last second. like Literally two hours ago, I Facebook messaged him. I was like, hey, you want to record something? And he, you were like, yeah. <laughs> that, pretty much,
1: that pretty much was it. Yeah, it was good timing. Well, was, yeah. I was actually scheduled to do something with my kids this morning, but that got canceled. So then, yeah, we're just sitting here. So it's good timing. <laughs> awesome.
0: <laughs> cool. Well, um, I think that's going to do it, bro. All righty. All right. Thanks,
1: man. And no I'll talk to you on the net.
0: All right. See you on the interwebs. All righty, man. Later. Bye.